Round one, go. All right, it must be Saturday again because I'm here. Uh, <laughs> this is Doug Bassler. And Marty McClendon, Doug and Marty versus the world. And you know what, Doug? We're two days away from one of the greatest events every year. I'm just telling you, uh, an event where the sun went around all the way around the earth, you know, earth around the sun, I should say. <laughs> I get older. <laughs> <laughs> went all the way around the earth. Uh, okay, brother. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know what I meant. The earth went around the sun, right? For and one whole year. Remember, Marty. Yes. Asler household. We don't just do one day, bro. That's right. You do a whole week. I love it. Week. A birthday week. You get privileges, you get food, you get out of doing dishes. It's amazing, all the things. Happy birthday, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. About, according, to the, according to a Fox News poll that I, I saw earlier this week, you are not old yet. So, I know. like it. It doesn't matter how you feel, right? It's, uh, you know, by a poll, right? Is that what we trust for? Is it our polls and our graphs and our, uh, our science, as our governor says? Yes. <laughs> Science. Oh my gosh. I, you know, talking about, so the science says the best thing you can do for not getting the coronavirus is go outside. The wind, sun, fresh air disperses the virus, kills the virus. You have much lower possibility of contracting the virus outside. And you know what you're not supposed to do? You're not supposed to be inside in enclosed spaces. So we're doing it all wrong. And guess what? I asked my friend, State Representative Robert Sutherland, to join us today um, because according to the newspapers and stuff, he wants to start, is it a rebellion or a revolution? I think it's a revolution. Robert, are you there? How are you doing? Uh, I'm here. I'm the birthday present, I, I guess, of Marty. Yeah. Wow, I'm I'm blessed. That's awesome. <laughs> so to, to Doug's point, I know that, you know, um, gosh, it was last weekend. Um, there was this big rally in Olympia because this whole thing of uh, shutting down business and the state and it's wreaking havoc on people's lives, on jobs, on the economy, you name it. And so there were, there were some people like, hey, we want some reasonable leadership here to open things up. And you got some pushback for a speech you did there. Uh, but to Doug's point, you know, when, we're, when the governor throws out, we're going to follow science. It's more like weird science, if you ask me. He has no facts to it. Science is supposed to be tested and proven. And what has been proven is UV light does kill viruses. So we should be outdoors. So, Robert, what do you think? No, I, I agree 100%. Uh, you know, especially on a sunny day, you get the sunshine beating down on you, you get your vitamin D. It helps build up your immune system. You're out walking, say, a trail or campsite or something. You're getting your exercise. Um, you're active. This, all these things, they build up your immunity. What you're not supposed to do, like you guys already pointed out, is sit around indoors um, and just breathe stale air. So it, it, it appears to me the information we're being given is not correct. Every home inspector I know says that during the winter, when you're inside, mold builds up, mold spores, bad air. It's not healthy. It's why we get more colds during the winter. So during the summer, we should have windows open, we outside. And to Doug's going to got his finger up here in a second too. You know, the one thing that we're the only state in the nation 
the, this banned fishing. You would think that'd be the one thing we could do is go out on a lake and fish. You know, what's more healthy for our body? What's more healthy for being outdoors than fishing? Crying out loud. Right. Right. And why we're the only state in the nation, the only one that, that you know, the governor's proclamations, you know, I think that came from the Department of Fish and Wildlife. Um, but, but regardless, why we can't go out and go fishing, get in the outdoors, get some sun, some vitamin D, build up our immune system on a little rowboat in the middle of a lake all by ourselves or along a shore with no one else around is there, there's no science behind that. There's no rationale behind that. Uh, it really is suspect as to why that, you know, activities like that would be included in the uh, non-essential activities. Or chasing, a, chasing a little white ball around a grassy area. Mm-hmm. You know, which which is a lot of exercise for Marty because the way he swings. I play the whole course. (laughs) I paid for the whole thing. I use the whole thing. But to your point, Robert, think about this. They talk about grocery stores being essential. They are, but they're crowded. They have different policies and so on and buying groceries and TP and whatever. But you think about it. What about people that actually fish to eat or hunt? To eat, you know, this should be essential as well, not only exercise, but the fact is they should be allowed to do it to supplement you know, what they're not getting. They don't want to go to a store to expose themselves. So they want to go out and fishing. It just we're living, you know, in today's world and, and for the last, you know, 50, 100 years. But before that, man lived off of the earth. It's only, in, you know, during the Industrial Revolution, we, we got, you know, the, the corner store, the, the general store. Now, you know, the supermarkets and all that. But before that, we grew our own food, we hunted our own food, and to say that going out and fishing, which is hunting, it's a form of hunting, to say that that's not essential, but going down to Walmart or Safeway to buy that same fish, that's essential, makes no sense whatsoever. You're forcing us into a box store full of a whole bunch of other people instead of letting us go out into nature and catch our own meal. It's, it's ludicrous, it makes no sense whatsoever. Well, when okay. the entire thing started, they said that masks did not do any good, that you should, don't go buy a bunch of masks. It's stupid to do a mask. And now they say, of course, you know, not only do the masks do good, we want to require everyone to wear a mask, which in my case, probably be an improvement. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the target changes, the goalpost changes, the, you know, the scoring position changes. So the big, one of the biggest things, of course, everything, when a government says, no, you can't do, you know, versus saying, hey, we're going to trust local businesses, local groups to keep distance, put practices in place, stay engaged, keep the economy going. But the idea here, we can blunt this curve, that, that would make a perfect sense. But when government says, no, you don't know what you're doing, we can't trust you, we're going to shut you down, you know, but we're going to pick and choose. We're going to say that government construction can still work. We can say that, oh, we'll pick Boeing because this is only so on they can go to work but everybody else can either the facts are the same for everybody like government employees or private employees or it's not and so when they're when they say that you can go buy marijuana for your stress as an essential thing but you can't go to your pastor or go to church and pray and that's not essential there is a serious issue with trust there don't you think robert yeah yeah and you know let's say you want to go out and buy some flowers for your wife or girlfriend or whatever and the floor you want to go to a florist shop well they're they're all closed down so what what that does is now it forces you to go into say a, a safeway which they have a you know a florist department in there as well but now now you're packing in more people into one place 
mm-hmm. uh, to, to buy the things that they want to buy. If you, if I can walk into a big box store and buy some flowers, why can't I walk into a smaller store that has much fewer people? There might not be any other people except, you know, the person behind the counter. Uh, it makes no sense whatsoever what they're doing to us. I couldn't agree more, obviously, but you just went through before this whole shutdown, you had a session where you guys were railroaded over with the Democrat majority that says, basically, we're not going to listen to the people. They passed $30 car tab. Forget about it. Oh, by the way, we have a surplus. Oh, but we're going to raise taxes. Uh, it, it was a runaway train. I'm surprised you're still walking as much as abuse as you guys took down there. You know, we went through a couple of months of, you know, I mean, it's, it's some long hours. It's, it's, you know, it's not easy work. And, and you kind of look forward to, okay, well, you know, finally it ends. You know, we're working through weekends and late into the night, you know, sometimes two, two, three o'clock in the morning. And then, you know, you're looking forward to being, being able to go back home and, and kind of kick back a little bit, see your family. And, you know, whenever you're away from your house for a couple of months, there's a lot of things to do, chores and things. So you're looking forward to that. Well, I get home and, and, you know, we all get home and it's, it's COVID right away. It's COVID and things were, were falling apart rapidly. So we never got to stop. We never got to come home and kind of take our breath, get a breath and get caught up in all that. From the day we got home, it was a disaster. And the government just, in my opinion, started making things worse with their proclamations and what they started forcing people to do. So we haven't had a break. I will give you this, and for our listeners out there, I want to give Robert and all the Republicans on in the House side and the Senate side that fought until two o'clock in the morning trying to stop this this over-sexualization of a kid through a comprehensive sex education plan. They instantly signed into to law while we were on under COVID watch. So the bottom line is, thank you for fighting. We need to give you support, though, so that they don't start teaching our kindergartners uh, about sex toys. It is absolutely insane the stuff that they've been doing to us. Don't you think, Robert? Uh, it, it's, it's beyond insane. And, and I'll tell you, being in a building with people that believe that this stuff is good somehow, or, you know, I don't know. I'd like to look up the numbers one day. Is Planned Parenthood, you know, donating to the other side. You know, they're pushing this stuff because they're just trying to drum up business. The more pregnancies they can cause and the more abortions, uh, the more money they make. I think they're just trying to drive up their business and using education as, as the excuse to be able to do that. And it's, it's sickening. It's, it's, you know, if you've seen any of the curriculum, which I, you know, I'm not even comfortable talking about it, to tell you the truth. Um, to see what they're going to teach our kids is just insane. It's sickening and it's, it's, it's pornographic. And there's no way, if my kids were young enough and they were in school, there's absolutely no way I'm going to leave them in a government school. Well, I know that there's movements out there, referendum 90s out there. I, I fully support it. And I know Doug does as well. And there may be an initiative to, to roll this back, but it really comes back down to giving you support down there, getting the majority. So this stuff, first of all, doesn't happen. And second of all, you can roll it back. The problem is, is, is people will talk about me as a Christian or Doug, whatever, about legislating morality. No, we want the other side to stop legislating immorality. Our kids need to be protected, and this is this is just wrong. And I thank you for fighting against it, Robert. Yeah, and and you know, I think we started that debate uh, on the House floor. I forget what day it was. It might have been a Saturday night or a Sunday night. Um, I think we started that debate on the sex ed bill around eight o'clock, and. You know, I, I sat there. I, it, it's not my favorite topic. I, I listened to both sides back and forth and all the amendments. 
And by about one thirty, so four or five, that's five and a half hours into this, um, I was just so tired and disgusted and, and you know, with, with the whole process and, and what was about to happen, because I know we're going to get outvoted. I know it's going to pass. It's just a matter of time. And so it got to a point about one thirty in the morning, I buttoned my jacket and stood up and I'm going to, you know, at least chime in. It's an important bill. I'm, you know, we're going to lose the vote, but I'm going to chime in anyway. And, uh, you know, I don't know if that was good or bad, but I got up there and I kind of went on a rant. <laughs> um, and I, I think I was gaveled three or four times and I just, you know, kept going. And, um, you, you know, that rant, it, it was good for me because it helped me get this out of my system. Um, but you know, that, that clip there from TVW, that went across uh, the state on the news channels, showing me standing up and fighting for parents and their rights and what these people are about to do as far as education to their children in school. So, you know, I, I guess it gave me a little bit of a name recognition by doing that. That wasn't my intent, but um, it, it was just disgusting to sit there for five, six hours and, and trying to listen to the, to the rationale on the other side of why this should be passed, why this is a good thing. And then to hear the rebuttal on our side of, of the details of what's in it and the content, it's, it's, this is not a, this is not age appropriate. This is pornographic, you know, pictures of adults, naked body parts in bed. I'm sorry. That's just not appropriate for any kid in school through high school. If you ask me. So for those that don't know, you can can check it out though, but they talk about fourth graders doing role play on how to do a same sex date or whatever. Well, our guest today is Robert Sutherland. We're going to be back with more Doug and Marty versus the world right after this break. For our government to work the way it was intended, citizens from all walks of life must volunteer to run for elected offices. But how do you begin? EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com can help. You'll receive expert help to navigate your campaign and communicate your message. From candidate filing to voters' pamphlet statements, fundraising, and social media, you'll find what you need to run an effective and affordable campaign. EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com. The road to victory starts here. This is Claire. Claire has a great business, and she wanted to advertise on YouTube, but she didn't know how. It was all so confusing. Setting up an account, choosing keywords and demographics, and she didn't know how to make a video. Then Claire discovered the secret to great YouTube ads. The experts at EasyYouTubeAds.com took care of all the details, from account setup and management to producing her video ads. Now Claire's friends all want to know how she got so smart. EasyYouTubeAds.com. No experience necessary. Doug and Marty versus the world. This is Doug Nassler. And Marty McClendon, Doug and Marty versus the world. And our guest by way of telephone, uh, Robert Sutherland. He's a state representative here in Washington State. What what district are you in? I'm in the 39th, which is Monroe, uh, all the way up to Cedar Willie. So all of a sudden, you're kind of a you know a celebrity. We were talking before the break about just making your voice heard. Which is, I mean, it's it's a huge issue right now. You know, we talk about, well, they're in the minority. They can't, you know, the Dems are in control. You can't do anything. But you can still make your voice heard, right? Yeah, that, that's all we have is, is a microphone right now. Uh, whether we choose to use it or not is up to us. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's our biggest tool, so I tend to like to use it. Yeah, exactly. 
And then, uh, so t- let's talk about um, let's talk about the the big kind of uh, state protest that happened uh, last week on Sunday. I was there. Ran into you there. Ran into a lot of people that I know. Um, they estimated the crowd at about twenty five hundred. I think it was probably at least double that amount. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm I've seen twenty five hundred before, and this was. This was bigger than that. Now, granted, people were trying to, you know, be socially distant apart and all that. Maybe, maybe that made it look a little bigger than it was. But um, I would venture to say four or five thousand people were there. So why why did you feel like you needed to be there as a state rep? Well, to tell you the truth, I didn't. Uh, I, I had no intentions of going. Um, keeping in mind that it was on Wednesday, I you know had a little muscle spasm issues going on, and and here it was. Saturday, uh, excuse me, it was Sunday morning, I believe it was. And uh, I had no intentions of going, but what what prompted me to go was I had been trying to set up a meeting with another individual who was halfway across the state and it was just hard for us to, you know, pick a day and time and a, a location. They had contacted me, said, I'm gonna be at that at, at, in Olympia Sunday. You know, are you gonna be there? And I go, well, no, I'm not, but I ended up going because I, I had a meeting that to me was very important that I wanted to get done. I went there not for the rally, but to conduct a meeting with another individual. And then once I was there, you know, you, you meet people. I saw you, Doug. Uh, and, and then they, they wanted to throw me on the speakers list. I kind of hesitated a little bit cause I was really not in the mood. I had no speeches prepared or no thoughts or anything, but you know, I ended up there almost by accident, if you will. So it wasn't a, you were not the ringleader. So, so oh, no, no, <laughs> about Robert's Rebellion, uh, you know, the Sutherland down Underland, uh, you know, pushback. That's so that's you that know how the media takes uh, what you might say and twist, they'll cut it up and they'll play a portion of what you say or take it out of context. It's happened to me a lot. It happened to Doug a lot. It's happened to Trump a lot. You name it. So what did you actually say that, that they've gotten all Twitter pated about, Robert? Well, there's, yeah, I think I've broken it down to three words. One is rebellion, one is revolution, and, and the other is goon. Um, we, I guess we can talk about those individually, but, you know, I, I, I talk about there's going to, you know, and I'm referring to, let me back up just a hair. When I finally got up on the stage, got a microphone, what I was going to talk about was the unfairness of them not letting us go out in the outdoors, go fishing, go hiking and camping. My speech was about fishing, hiking, and camping. You know, let us go out there, let us get some sunshine, build up our immune. And so that was my speech. It was on that, the unfairness of that. And so as I'm referring to the governor, uh, you know, and, and the proclamations and not letting us do that, um, some, somewhere in that speech, I go, you know, there's, there's going to be a revolution. People are in an uproar. That's why the the protest was going on. People are in an uproar. You're shutting down their businesses. They're losing, they, they're losing their homes. Um, and so the, in my impromptu speech and the passion that I, I was giving to it, I mentioned the word, you know, there's going to be a revolution. Um, and then realizing I said that, <laughs> and you know, the actual meaning of a revolution is a, I believe an armed takeover of the government or something like that. And certainly that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about going fishing. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was able to qualify that there was going to be a revolution of love where parents, you know, in, in loving their children are going to get them out of their houses. 
get them, get them off the TV, the video games and get them out on the hiking trails and go fishing with them and camping, you know, get them out of the house, get, get their immune system built up. But it was a revolution of love. And, and the actual revolution was us going fishing, right? <laughs> so it's not exactly a revolution, but that's just the terminology I used in an impromptu speech. And um, boy, that, that, that set off a little bit of a fire wave as far as, uh, you know, the press radio stations, you know, wanting that, that's all they did. They quoted, you know, Sutherland's revolution. Right. Um, well, the revolution was parents taking their kids outdoors. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting there too, is revolution or revolutionary oftentimes is a change of thought, a change of, of direction. Yes, there are some that, that it connotes a violent thing, but there is this change. You know, uh, when you think about these things, really, you're, you're talking about what we're doing now is suppressing People are tired of being told what to do, held in the home with no true answers, no, no answer of when this is going to be lifted up. And so talking about that, the people are, are going to push back. You've already seen it nationwide and statewide. People want to get out of their homes. They are saying, okay, enough is enough. We know how to be safe. Trust us with this. Let us go back to work. And that's what you were saying. So, right, Doug? I think that's what he was saying. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and so and so yeah, I, I use the word rebellion. In my mind, it, you know, it, it's a mini rebellion. You know, here we have the governor saying you can't do this, and I'm saying, yeah, we're going to do this. And so there is a little bit of a you know rebellious like a teenage rebellious, not going to listen to my parents today thing. Um, but it certainly isn't the the you know pick up arms and and let's go start taking down our government or something. Uh, you'd have to listen to the speech, you know, several times they had their notes and the, the guy out there and, and they, they're pretty good at just taking a clip. Uh, let's not talk about what Robert was talking about, getting the children outdoors to get them more healthy and fishing and all that. He used the word revolution. So let's go, let's go with that. And so that's, that's what they did. They, they started printing, you know, Robert's revolution and, and whatnot. And uh, it, it set off a little bit of a firestorm. It's making me, you know, somewhat famous or infamous, I guess. Um, I'm getting a lot of calls. I'm having to explain to people who did not, who were not there. They didn't hear the speech about me wanting to get our kids outdoors. All they see is the Seattle Times article. Um, and they think, what, what are you doing, Robert? Well, they see it as an opportunity to take down a, a solid conservative Republican guy. Um, so uh, there was a, a rebellion down in uh, Tri-Cities, right, on the Columbia River? Uh, didn't they have, a, like, a couple of hundred boats go out and fish and put up their signs and they stop us? Did you oh, I, I didn't hear about that one. I, so, good for them. Yeah, I know Tim I was over there, a little photo op, but that place where they were fishing, I've been by there probably you know, 50 times over the years, and it's always, it's a sweet fishing spot, but you could literally have hundreds if not thousands of boats along the columbia river there uh every weekend so the fact that they had i don't know 30 40 boats out there i think it was a, a good thing just said you know they're out social distancing they're fishing like we're talking about they're showing how absurd that restriction is so um, it was another way of showing a civil disobedience in a sense they we want to obey the law but they have to make sense and they have to be constitutional and these aren't they don't make sense and they're not constitutional that's right. A law is not a law if it's not constitutional, if it's against natural law. Man, you know, and women, we have a natural right on this earth to go hunting, to go fishing, to go hiking and all that. These, these are natural laws that cannot be infringed. And, and we have a governor today who's saying, 
I'm going to infringe upon those. And I'm going to use the excuse of, a, of the flu virus, this COVID-19, uh, to lock you down, to keep you from going outside, to keep you from doing all the things that would make us happy and healthy. Uh, they're violating our natural rights. That's why I ended up giving the speech I gave. That's why we had, you know, three, four, five thousand people just fed up and down there. You know, this is us blowing off a little bit of steam. Um, and I guess I'll touch back on the third point on that on my speech that had a little bit of, you know, people in a little bit of a, an uproar or concerned with what I was saying. Because I, I was talking to the governor, you know, I had a microphone. I'm saying, Governor, if you send your, I hope I can quote myself, if you send your goons with guns, we'll defend ourselves. In other words, if we go out and violate his proclamations and we're out there, you know, fishing and, and he sends in whoever, um, you know, I, I said, if you send your goons with guns and we're going to defend ourselves. And, and that is something I wish I didn't say. It was off the top of my head. It was an impromptu speech. I kind of was getting myself worked up as I was speaking. Uh, and I certainly didn't mean anything bad. I was mad at the governor and, and, the, and the Department of Fish and Wildlife for keeping us from going out on the trails. I'm, and, and some people took that as, as like a threat against uh, law enforcement. That if you know if there's if you're out fishing and law enforcement engages you, that you know Sutherland is giving you the okay to to you know exact violence upon you know law enforcement. I'm, that's absolutely not what my speech is about. Not what I meant when I said it. So um, actually, just a few hours ago, I, I posted another Facebook uh, some information on my Facebook page and kind of articulate that just a little bit, um, just to let just to reinforce. Uh, the, the, to, to those that know me, there's no concern whatsoever. Law enforcement was there, you know, at this rally. They, they had absolutely no no qualms with what I was saying. The state police was there, no qualms. Um, it's only the press when they push it out as though, you know, right. Southern wants everyone to kill police or something. You know, they they so further they, from the truth. Yeah. So I will yeah. say, ask and you so on that, this. That, that got, yeah, we we'll, we'll ask you on this since we're on that topic. You know, Franklin County. Uh, the board of commissions with Clint Didier uh, passed the thing, say, hey, this is unconstitutional. We're going to open back up. Um, Inslee and Ferguson threatened to go after and force this thing. And they are, this this big government is the ones that are coming after with guns. Whether it be the 20, whatever year it was, 2016, when the government came and attacked conservative groups by, by using the IRS and shutting things down, or whether it was now saying, if you don't comply, we're going to send our not a goons, but we're going to send law enforcement. We're going to send the military. We're going to send whatever to make sure you comply. That is not freedom. That, so it, it's not that you should respond in a way that says, oh, by the way, come on and get it. But it's one of those things where we have to be aware. You started this. You know, you're saying if you don't comply, not just willingly, but if you don't comply, we're going to force you. And that's not the yeah, way I and what, be. What upset, and what upsets me is, is, you know, I've got a great relationship with law enforcement and most of us do. And so what this governor is doing is setting up a situation where the people hate, it's not, I don't want to call it a law. It's a proclamation or, you know, they hate the fact they can't go outside legally and go hiking and fishing and camping and all that. And the governor is now putting law enforcement in between themselves and us. 
Yeah. And that's putting law enforcement in danger. And that's, you know, you might get that, that, that guy that's a little bit unstable, just wanting to go fishing. He's yep. doing nothing wrong, but you're sending law enforcement to go engage that person. Yes, it is. It's unnecessary. And we will be back. When you want to take your business to the next level, nothing drives traffic and increases sales like TV advertising. And EasyTVSpots.com is your best choice for high quality, effective TV ads. Contact us today to learn how easy it is to reach thousands of your ideal prospects with targeted, addressable TV. Grow your sales, revenue, and profit the easy way with EasyTVSpots.com. Broadcast, cable, and online TV made easy. This is Claire. Claire has a great business and she wanted to advertise on YouTube, but she didn't know how. It was all so confusing. Setting up an account, choosing keywords and demographics, and she didn't know how to make a video. <sighs> then Claire discovered the secret to great YouTube ads. The experts at EasyYouTubeAds.com took care of all the details from account setup and management to producing her video ads. Now Claire's friends all want to know how she got so smart. EasyYouTubeAds.com, no experience necessary. For our government to work the way it was intended, citizens from all walks of life must volunteer to run for elected offices. But how do you begin? EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com can help. You'll receive expert help to navigate your campaign and communicate your message. From candidate filing to voters' pamphlet statements, fundraising, and social media, you'll find what you need to run an effective and affordable campaign. EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com. The road to victory starts here. Doug and Marty McPherson in the world. This is Doug Bansler. And Marty McClendon, <laughs> Doug and Marty versus the world. And our guest today, by way of telephone, from the, the 39th Legislative District State Representative, Robert Sutherland. He's been uh, kind of put through the mill uh, the last week or so. The press uh, has, um, well, you know, it's what, it's what sells, it's what gets clicks. It's what sells newspapers. Take mm -hmm. the, the three words, the goon, rebellion, uh, goons with guns, rebellion, revolution words out of context. And there you go. So um, Robert, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time to, you know, come and talk to Marty and I, I appreciate you. I know. It, it's always a pleasure. And, and, you know, just along that, that line, I thought you were just talking about, I did a, a radio show uh, a couple of days ago on this topic because they, they were wanting some questions answered and I was on the radio show. And when I looked back and I saw the program that the, the headline above, you know, us talking was state representative Robert Sutherland on his call for revolution. <laughs> so wow. Wow, wow, wow. I, I guess, it, I guess it gets ratings, uh, it sells papers. It helps, you know, your bottom line, but you know, these people, first of all, they didn't hear the speech. They, they, everyone's getting their information from the Seattle times. Mm -hmm. And so there was no discussion. Actually, I haven't read the Seattle times article, so I shouldn't say that, but I don't believe there was much discussion on what the speech was actually about. And that's parents getting their kids out of them fresh air so that they're healthier and happier. Right. And Robert, I want, by the way, yeah. And out of our hair, that's right. Robert, I want a couple of questions for you. I know that you're in the 39th. You're not, probably not as far north where the 42nd is there. When they, and they shut down, they're shutting down uh, another Alcoa, basically related uh, aluminum plant. 
And when you think about, we're talking across Eastern Washington here, they've lost almost all of them. Kaiser and Alcoa have been shut down in Wenatchee and Metchie Valley and Spokane. These are well-paying jobs, something we need, and it's being shut down. Uh, and this, this COVID-19 um, thing has made it worse. What do, you, what, what do you think we can do when we come out of this? Yeah, and, and, you know, with the excessive regulations that, that this legislature, you know, and I'm just going to call it what it is, the Democrats in Olympia, um, the, the heavy-handedness of our industry like that, they're shutting our, our business. Today. We're going to lose our refineries here next. Um, and and they, they do this, they, they convince themselves that by, by shutting down these types of industries, that it's going to lessen our carbon footprint and it's going to make the earth better and all this and that and the other. Um, one of my floor speeches on that is that it's not going to, it's going to have the opposite effect. When you shut down a plant here in Washington, it's just going to open up somewhere else in China or, or who knows where. And the standards, the clean air standards that, that, you know, for their energy that, that they use are a lot less than what we have here in Washington. And so the net effect is that you're actually hurting the planet by shutting down our industry here in Washington, which we have very high standards and you ship those jobs and those products and the, and the, uh, the, the manufacturing of all these things to other places that have a much less standard of, of clean energy. And the net effect is a negative. You're going to pump more carbon dioxide, more pollutions into the air, not less. Now, now a lot of our audience, in Eastern Washington, like I'm saying, um, there's a big push by the Democrats to remove the Snake River Dam um, dams, which is hydroelectric power, which is clean power. There's lots of jobs. And so to your point, all the solutions they're coming up with will actually make the problem worse, drive the energy costs up for people that can't even afford it and make the pollution worse. Right, Robert? Yeah. And, and I hate assigning motive and I'm going to hesitate doing that here. It makes no practical sense why you'd want to destroy a good thing, you know, livable family wage jobs, which they always say they want. This is clean energy. It's renewable. Um, but they want to shut that down too. Um, what, what, what would be the motivation for the part of the Democrat party to want to do that? So you'll have to ask them, I guess. But uh, when you, if they are successful at doing that now, all of a sudden energy costs skyrocket because we're having these other sources that are much more expensive and all the poor people that they claim to be for these people can't even afford to heat their homes anymore. And I guess we'll have to do more subsidies, raise taxes to be able to help subsidize their, their much more expensive energy now. It, it, this, this is a prime example of what we see on every different subject. And I'll say this, several years ago, the Democrat majority said, hey, colleges can't afford to pay the professor because they've already agreed to increase contracts. So we're going to allow colleges to raise their tuition to, to meet the cost. So now we have an epidemic of college debt because we raised the cost of college. And it's like, this is the same thing here, right? When you remove this energy sources, now the price of energy goes through the roof. These are legislative crises that are being created that because people have the wrong agenda. You should have a long-term goal in place. You can measure it, right? Yeah, a lot, if not most of the problems that we're facing, traffic congestion, you know, energy prices, uh, you know, the cost of college, or, you know, the cost of how, you know, the affordable housing crisis, um, you know, I'm in, I'm in an average, I'm in an average home and I'm paying over $7,000, you know, for my property taxes doubled over the last, I think six or seven years. 
Um, it's the government. It's Olympia. And by that, I mean, it's the Democrats who are in control of the government in Olympia. They are doing this to us. Mm-hmm. Property taxes, college uh, costs, uh, traffic congestion, opioid crisis. I mean, you can go on and on and on. It's their policies that are causing these things. And I just wish, you know, I, w- I want to just beg voters that, that just can't stand for some reason. You can't stand Republicans. Give us two years. Put Republicans in charge of these committees, you know, vote us in, give us a majority, give us two years and watch what we can do in two years. Um, because when's the last time the Republicans have had a majority in Olympia? Not, not since I've been here for 20 something years. Um, give Over us 35 the majority years, yeah. for once. Yep. Yeah. And let us you know, at least see what we can do. We, we, you know, the things that we want to accomplish are the things that people want. You know, the $30 car tabs, that's our issue. The Democrats are the ones that want to charge you $1,000 for your tabs. Voters agree with us on that, but they keep putting the Democrats in office. And so then the voters vote for $30 car tabs in an initiative, and it's, it's the legislature led by the Democrats to say, well, no, we're going to tie it up in the courts. They could have easily passed some legislation you know, in, in a few days that says, okay, we're going to bypass this le- the, uh, the initiative because it's tied up in the courts. Let's just write a bill. They could have easily done that and passed it in days. They refused to do it. And so we did it. We wrote the legislation. They wouldn't even give it a hearing. So Republicans and the voters, they, they align so well most of the time. And yet, for whatever reason, you get down into King County mostly, you know, Pierce and Snohomish, and there's just a disconnect with voters and Republicans. They don't see the connection between their issues and Republicans. They're not seeing it. Otherwise, they would put us in and give us the majority. We win on ideas, but we lose on emotion. Doug says it's a lot. But I would say this, that during the 2016 presidential campaign, Donald Trump, who obviously is our president, went into black, predominantly all Democrat black neighborhoods. He says, what do you have to lose? Some of that appeal has to be Republicans say, what do you have to lose? 35 years of one party control in Seattle and, and, and in Olympia. And look what we have. So, I, I mean, personally, I just love that message. Let's get, yeah. Why don't we just try this for a couple of years? Let's vote out the Democrats, put some Republicans in there. Let's try some fiscal responsibility and, and see what the difference is. You know, now that's a. I have a, I, I have a bill. Democrats. I have a bill sitting on my desk in Olympia, uh, HB, what is it, 2960, that, that over a four year period eliminates state property taxes. Right. And that's going to reduce the cost of your housing, your mortgage every month. Um, it, it eliminates, I think the state collects $3.7 billion in property taxes. Uh, and that's not going to affect the county or local levies. It's just a state portion of your property taxes. I estimate that'd be about $200 a month off of mine. So about $2,500 a year out of my seven, $7,500 in taxes. But that's, that's, it's a step forward. You, you're all of a sudden your house became a little bit cheaper. Uh, we're taking a little bit less from taxpayers, which is then going to inject that money back into the economy to help mm-hmm. help it recover from this COVID-19 disaster that we see coming from our governor. So that bill is sitting on my desk. Now, the Democrats are not even going to give it a hearing. I can, I can all but guarantee you that when we go back in the session. But you put Republicans in charge, you give us the majority, that bill is going to get a hearing, it's going to get a vote, and, and hopefully it makes it to the floor and passes. 
And bottom and so, line, people on a direct- fixed income that have a home will, can stay in their home and they won't be taxed out of it through property taxes. Not only does it help those that, that need it the most, but it's common sense legislation like that that actually makes sense. Right, Doug? Yeah, and, and what what scares or, or, or concerns even people on my side of the aisle when I mentioned when I first mentioned it to them, they're like, Robert, you know, my God, the state can't afford that, right? I, I, I did a video. I, I, you know, if we had a link, I could tell you a link, but I don't have it off the top of my head. I think I had that on Facebook. I, I had, the, you know, we project our budget out like four years. And so I had OPR, the Office of Professional Research, give me the projected budget, you know, for the four years. And I cut property tax, state property taxes, 25% a year over four years goes away. They, they have that data. So I got it from them to show the projected revenue from, you know, to the state from taxation. And as it turns out, as I was cutting that 3.7 billion in state property taxes, the revenues were increasing and it, it all, it almost matched it dollar for dollar, meaning that we could cut state level property taxes for people and not have to cut a single program. We could maintain the exact same level of spending without, even though we're eliminating 3.7 billion over four years, we wouldn't have to cut anything because the, the expected growth in revenue from the increased taxation was going to match that cut. That's amazing. So uh, it's still not giving us a, so, so what did the, uh, the rest of the legislature say when they heard this great news that we could uh, cut taxes for homeowners and uh, obviously they all, they're all behind it now, right? It's got they're pretty much sponsored by everybody in the state legislature. <laughs> He's being sarcastic. Yep. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't it be nice if life were like that? Yeah. You know, where it's a good bill for the tax, the taxpayers of Washington state. It's good for them. It's good for the economy. It's good for everyone. Wouldn't it be nice if we could put our head together and say, yeah, it's a good bill. And we all vote for it. It, it doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, there's political agendas behind the scenes and um, you know, it just seems the Democrats, they, they cannot get enough money. They just can't get enough money. The surpluses have been coming in over the last several years. They can't get enough of that. The last thing they want to do is give any of it back to taxpayers. And then All right, well, let's what, what I ended up doing. Let's stop here, and we're going to go to a commercial break, and we're going to come back and finish up this conversation. This is Doug Mouse. And Marty McClendon. Doug and Marty versus the world. This is Claire. Claire has a great business and she wanted to advertise on YouTube, but she didn't know how. It was all so confusing. Setting up an account, choosing keywords and demographics, and she didn't know how to make a video. (sighs) Then Claire discovered the secret to great YouTube ads. The experts at EasyYouTubeAds.com took care of all the details from account setup and management to producing her video ads. Now Claire's friends all want to know how she got so smart. EasyYouTubeAds.com. No experience necessary. For our government to work the way it was intended, citizens from all walks of life must volunteer to run for elected offices. But how do you begin? EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com can help. You'll receive expert help to navigate your campaign and communicate your message. From candidate filing to voters' pamphlet statements, fundraising, and social media, you'll find what you need to run an effective and affordable campaign. EasyPoliticalCampaigns.com. The road to victory starts here. 
and all is well. And, uh, yeah, that's the third, fourth and final round for Doug and Marty versus the world. My name's Doug Bassler. And Marty McClendon. Welcome back to the show. Now, I know that we our conversation with the represent, state representative um, Sutherland, sorry, Robert Sutherland, um, we were talking <laughs> off the air as well, brother. And um, it's amazing to me when we think about it, our audience across here, there are these, these Republican common sense solutions make a, a whole lot of sense. You know, when a government actually has uh, budgets according to the, the money coming in, does the job they're supposed to, and then if there's a surplus, it returns it to the people or lowers the cost is the way it's supposed to function. And what Robert's saying is it doesn't function that way at all. And they won't even see the light of day because we don't have the majority. And I was saying to Robert, too, off the air, we talked before, we have a turnout problem. In King County and large blue districts, they turn out at a 90% rate on these big elections. Even though most of Eastern actually, Washington actually, is conservative, more Republican, but they don't turn out at the same rate. We need to turn out they, and they, vote. Huh? They actually, in, in many precincts in King County, they actually turn out at 110, 115%. Uh, <laughs> there is that. That's called fraud. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, and that's right. And so in order to overcome fraud, you've got to get out and vote. People say, well, my vote doesn't count because of the fraud. Well, believe me, if everybody gets out and vote, we end up with, you know, a yes vote on $30 car tabs. Now, what happens after that, like we said in the last segment, is a problem, right? Correct. They're not, you know, they're fighting the $30 car tab. It's not something that they want, but this elitist attitude that they could just never be removed. They can never be outvoted. They can never be, you know, it, it's because we need Christians. We need conserve. We just need people to get out and vote. And uh, right now I just, I love what Robert said in the last segment. We just give us, give us a chance. All we're saying all we are saying and and see you know if you don't like us after two years then then vote us go back right i I haven't even mentioned you know so i've got the property tax relief bill on my desk the second bill i have um actually eliminates the 30 dollar car tab and what it what it does it replaces it with a, a nickel gas tax and, and here's here's something that most people don't. I didn't know until I got down to Olympia. When you look at that statement you get for your tabs, and it has all those charges on it, the thirty dollar portion, you know, and it says right next to it, it says this is for road construction and maintenance. Do you know how much that thirty dollars goes to road construction and maintenance? It's about a dollar ten, if I remember right. Twenty five dollars and, and something goes to the state police, helps fund the state police, and three dollars and something goes to fund the, uh, the, the wages and retirement and, and vacations and whatnot of the people that actually work on the roads. So only a dollar of that $30 goes to what it says it goes to. They're, they're lying to us. And so I just say, why, why do we have to ask the government for permission every year and put a sticker on our car, go through that hassle, that trouble? Why don't we just eliminate that? We're not trying to get out of paying our taxes. We'll pay it in the form of a nickel gas tax. And, and the, my bill has that nickel going to a dedicated fund fix roads to build roads to repair roads and so, so i i have a question for you yeah this this uh, from the listener out there i hear them screaming over the radio and we understand it's a great idea however there's never a temporary tax there's never a small tax that goes up puts one away you add one and take one away they always add one and keep the other one we've seen we have the second highest gas tax in the nation already 
Uh, and then you have the dedicated funds. Gas tax is supposed to be for roads, and yet that's diverted. We have lotto money was supposed to be for schools. That was diverted. We have pop money was supposed to be for school. That was diverted. We have the timber industry that was, was supposed to be dedicated to building construct, school construction. That's been shut down and diverted as well. So uh, I, I fully agree that there's a great idea, but people don't trust Olympia with a new tax because they won't do, do away with the old taxes. What do you think? Right, right. And you're making my point almost. The $30 car tabs has been diverted. And so it's not, it's not going for what it was supposed to go for. Um, and, you know, again, this is the problem with the one-party rule. Give us two years. Give us four years. And watch what we can do. Watch the roads we start building. You know, and if we can, you know, if, if we're going to charge people 30 bucks, or whether we eliminate and go $5 or a 5-cent gas tax in a dedicated fund, we're going we're gonna to grow that, that account tremendously. And we're going to start putting people to work. We're going to start fixing our roads, expanding our roads. And, and really, you know, concentrating, I would hope, in areas, you know, such as the I-5 corridor, where it's a mess uh, as far as traffic. So you're right, Marty. They say one thing and then they, they, they you know, they take the money and, and they say it's going to go to a dedicated account and then they, they switch it somewhere else. When, when we say they, that's the Democrats. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I just wish, I can't stress this enough. I wish the voters would say, you know what? We've, we've seen 35 years of this. We're not happy. We're not satisfied with, we've doubled our cost of education for our kids, doubled it in the last, I think it's eight years or 10 years, mm-hmm. doubled it. Is the education, get, is it doubled? Is it getting better? Some argue it's getting worse with that common core. It, it, mm-hmm. it did terribly. Um, okay, this is Democrat rule for you. The costs skyrocket and, and the, the quality either maintains or goes down. The bottom line from, from the OSPI website, we won't get too deep in the woods here, but bottom line to Robert's point, uh, we have an 80% graduation rate, which means one in five kids don't graduate, first of all. Second of all, you know, we're spending $12,000 per student to get these type of results. We have a less than 50% um, meet, a, kid, a kid's meet or don't meet um, math, science and English levels. That means half of our kids aren't at grade level for those three things in our schools. You know, and, and I'm saying we're, what we're doing is not working. You know, throwing more money we're, at it's trying, not working. Yeah, we're, we're charging more and more. You know, we're raising and property taxes are part of that. Local levies are part of it. We're, we're charging more and more and we're not getting, you know, taxpayers are not getting anything for their money. And you can look at you know, charter schools, private schools, the homeschooling, look at the numbers there. The costs are much reduced and the, and the results are greatly improved. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not here, I'm not meaning to down public education. You know, my four kids went to public, through the public education system, I did. Um, what I'm saying is we've doubled the cost in the last 10 years and we're not seeing any benefit from it. And taxpayers are fed up with that kind of inefficiencies. And, and my, my reply or my solution is put Republicans in charge. Mm-hmm. Give us a chance to see the difference that we will do, you know, if we had a chance to run, run Olympia. The current school system in the U.S. and in Washington State has been in place since World War II. We're trying to do, take, you know, basically uh, 1940s, 1950s um, sort of methodology and trying to apply it to a 2020 thing. We have technology. We have different resources. We need choice. We need kids to be exposed to the trades and apprenticeship, but also technology and stuff. The things that we're trying to do. And then 
to push at two o'clock in the morning, this comprehensive sex thing at every level, you're like, what are you trying to do? This is not improving the outcomes for our kids. And the numbers, the science, as Jay Ainsley would like to say, doesn't bear out, right? Uh, real science, real metrics, our kids are suffering. Uh, it needs to change. And to your point, we need to have Republican uh, majorities so we can pass common sense things and give people choice and then actually have kids succeed in this economy. Yeah, well, we have yeah, a, um, we have, I think what we're trying to say here, what, what, what Robert is, the feeling I'm getting is that if we had uh, less of a monopoly and more competition, you know, free market competition. So like you said, you, you, you put education in the, in the public sector, they're able to uh, school a kid for $4,000 less than the state is charging. They get better results. Their kids are happier. The, the, they're smarter. They're better educated. Um, same with government. If, if you have, you know, even um, even if you had it just trading off once in a while, like, OK, the Democrats are in control here, the Republicans are in control there and then people get to see that. Right. But when you just constantly have the same thing, the same thing. And, and the thing that really bugs me is the Democrats are always blaming the Republicans for everything. And yet the Republicans are not in charge. So why how can this be the Republicans fault? The, the problems with Washington State, the, the, the mental hospital uh, being shut down. Right. That's not a Republican problem. That's a Democrat problem. The, the problems of the school system. That's not a Republican problem. That's a Democrat problem. The homeless problem. That's not a, that's not a Republican problem. That's a Democrat problem. The opioid crisis. That's not a Republican problem. That's a Democrat problem. Are you seeing a, a, a theme here, Marty? And traffic <laughs> taxes and traffic congestion, and, and we can go on and on. These are Democrat-created uh, problems. Um, I, I spoke with our, our county executive here in Snohomish County, uh, Dave Summers, and, and we were, I was at a traffic, uh, you know, traffic uh, meeting. And, and after the meeting ended, I was, I was just we were chit-chatting. And, and I go, Dave, you know, the, with the proposal that I just saw didn't seem like a very good solution. You know, we were just chit-chatting. And he looks at me and says, well, Robert, the traffic problem cannot be solved. It's just, it can't be solved. It's impossible. And I just, my, my jaw dropped. I'm like, are you, you kidding me? You've given up. So you're collecting all these taxes, my God. And, and yet in your mind, it can't be solved. So you just, I don't know what you're doing with the money. Are you diverting it? I don't know. Um, but we taxpayers, when we pay what, 60 something cents a gallon in taxes for our gas mm -hmm. and our $30 car tabs, all that stuff. We're like, shouldn't this be fixing the roads? Shouldn't this be expanding the roads, you know, from a two lane to a four lane, the, you know, our highways and, and things like that. The, the politicians, and let me, let me qualify that. The Democrat politicians have all but given up on tra traffic congestion. Not only is it not a priority, they, they use it as a, as a means to, listen, the, the more miserable people are in their cars, they'll come to a point where they'll say, you know what, raise my taxes. I don't care. I'll pay anything, but, but do something. They're using it as a, as a mechanism mm -hmm. to raise taxes, and the voters will agree because it, the problem will have gotten so worse. They have no intentions of fixing these problems. It's a, it's a revenue-generating stream for them. The more problems we have, the more taxes they're going to be able to collect. The Democrats so want to tax you to out of your out car and, and your home, and they want to guilt you into writing mass transit or whatever, which does not work in the state of Washington for the majority of people. Doug, go ahead. Yeah, I'm just saying that, you know, we've we've got to get out and vote. We've got to get involved. 2020 is a critical year and some people need to run. And I think the thing that 
that, that our listeners don't know about Robert is Robert decided about, uh, I think it was back in 2014 to run for Congress and ran, ran for that a couple of times and uh, really uh, wound up getting elected to the state legislature. You got like, a, you got like two minutes, Robert, to tell us what your, what your story would be. You, you, you want me to kind of highlight the, the Yeah, I jumped in in a 2014. I've never ran for office for anything. I jumped in a congressional race and I didn't do so. You know, I'm up against two Microsoft millionaires and they got their political, you know, the machine behind them. I had no intentions or I had no grand illusions I'm going to win. But I was so fed up with these politicians, the career politicians, with their messaging that, that neither of them represented me or anyone I know. So I jumped in the race and went out there and hit the campaign trail passing out literature. Uh, you know, I, I raised no money. I had no yard signs, no signs whatsoever, a little box of literature. But I, I spent my time just talking to voters. And, you know, miracle of miracles, I won the primary at least for three days. It was so close. And then I lost after three days, which got me national attention. How, how does a guy come out of nowhere, raise no money, have no support? How does he do something like that? So it, it gave me a name. It, I earned... The point is, is that someone who never ran before is now serving in the state legislature you can do it too we want to encourage people to run for office robert sutherland you can support him in his re-election bid elect our what is it sutherland for rev.com we'll see you next week bye-bye